Welcome to Proudly Asian, a podcast series that tells bold and proud stories of Asians by Asians. I'm Isabel Wong, a financial journalist who wants to uncover the many Asian stories around us that are waiting to be told. There's never just one way to look at Asians. This podcast will take you through a deep dive into the life stories, struggles and triumphs of young Asians around the world. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Proudly Asian. As you can see, I'm back at my desk in Hong Kong. And um, as we reach almost the end of the summer and the beginning of the last quarter of the year, ooh, time flies. And um, I thought it would be good for us to have a sit down chat and just do a summer update episode to talk about what happened during the summer and what's to come in the coming quarter. So a lot happened during the summer and one of the highlights was definitely our Proudly Asian Foods Month. So for the second year in a row, we ran our Proudly Asian Foods Month in July where we showcased lesser known Asian cuisines by talking to chefs, F&B professionals, entrepreneurs and also authors from around the world about the kind of cuisines that they grew up eating and what we can learn about the cultures through the food. And so one thing we did kind of differently this year was that there was a lot more original content, um, especially videos that we put out on our social media, especially on Instagram and YouTube to share, you know, some of the interesting Asian food facts with you all and also let you guys follow along our Asian food journey as we sample new Asian cuisines and discover new restaurants. So one of the videos a lot of you reshared when we first started it's probably Asian Food Month was the ketchup reel. So for those who don't know what we're talking about, I would suggest you to go on our Instagram or YouTube and find what that ketchup reel or video is all about. Um, so after we put out that ketchup video, um, we got to connect with some of our new listeners and um, some new friends over on social media. And you, some of you would actually tell us that you first got to know us through the ketchup video. But then after that, we published a carousel post on Instagram, which features some iconic Hong Kong street food. And it's seriously one of the best moments or one of our favorite moments during Proudly Asian Food Month, because a lot of you, again, reshared and talked about your own memories associated with each of the food items. So some of the items that kind of got quite a bit of... Um, responses from you guys was that um, that plastic bagged noodles if you know what I'm talking about um, but apparently it's a lesser known um, street food item that those who have some Hong Kong or Macau connections might have heard of honestly it's just so good um, you know I remember as a kid I would uh, my cousins would take me to some of those um, shopping malls in Hong Kong and um, we would just get a few bags of those noodles with different toppings and um, the people working at the shops would just um, kind of like mix all of your toppings and noodles with um, some of that really good garlicky sauce which I can't really tell what exactly it is but later on when I was googling about it apparently that sauce was kind of made um, with soy sauce oyster sauce garlic and maybe chili sauce I'm not really sure um, but our friends from 
outcasts from the 853 podcast um, also told us about how um, they used to get those after school in Park and Shop um, in Macau. And for those who don't know, Park and Shop is a supermarket chain that's common in Hong Kong, Macau and mainland China as well. Um, and but yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't have imagined a supermarket like Puck and Shop would have that kind of plastic bag to noodles. So that was new to me. The other Hong Kong street foods item that um, some of you actually shared really nice memories about was Chang Fun. Um, Chang Fun essentially means steamed rice rolls served with peanut sauce hoisin sauce, soy sauce, and sesame. And for those who like your food spicy, you can also add chili sauce on top. For those who haven't tried it out, the simple way I can describe it is just, it's basically a flavor bomb. You get all sorts of flavors um, with this heartwarming and soft rice rolls. And one of our followers, Winnie on Instagram, actually shared a really nice piece of moment or memory that's associated with Changfen. And I would like to share with you all here as well. Um, basically, she said Changfen was the breakfast of choice for her primary school years in Hong Kong. And the street vendor set up shop right at the pickup point of the school bus. So she ate that almost every day on the street while waiting for the school bus with her dad. Um, yeah, when I was reading that, I was just like, oh, wow, this is so nice. It's just, um, I mean, I know these memories aren't something that's completely dramatic and mind-blowing, but it's exactly these tiny moments that you shared with these food items that make you miss these food items a lot more when they become not as accessible to you as you move abroad. Another piece of very nice memory that was shared by one of you is actually um, associated with curry fishball, which is another very iconic Hong Kong street food. Um, those who have visited Hong Kong or have lived in Hong Kong would have definitely heard of this. Um, but for those who are not aware, I'll just give you a quick intro here as well. So curry fish balls essentially means meatballs made out of fish. Um, that's usually served with this very addictive curry sauce or satay sauce. So essentially each vendor or stores would have their own secret recipe for the sauce. And all of them are so good. And some of them are a lot more famous, um, not because they, they it's not it's not because they are known for their fish balls, it's because they are known for their sauce. I know when we talk about fish balls, some of you will actually get a bit weirded out um, when you hear fish balls. Um, but I think that's just how a lot of meatballs are called here in Asia. They won't really say fish meatballs, but they will shorten it as fish balls. Or if you're talking about meatballs made out of... Um, beef, it will be beef balls rather than beef meatballs. So you get the idea. And one of you actually shared this memory with us about curry fishball. And you essentially said, I would get these on my way home from school, getting off bus, one stop before my flat. My mom told me not to eat these from the street. And one time she caught me walking and eating while she was on the bus. And I don't know, when I was reading that, it cracked me up so much <laughs> because, you know, elderly or your parents and your family would tell you that, oh, yeah, like, don't eat street food. I think that's kind of just everywhere in Asia or just um, kind of like the perception of street food anywhere 
actually. It's just like your parents would tell you not to eat street food, not to get food from the roadside because um, you will easily get food poisoned. But um, most of the time, these street food are just so good. Um, you wouldn't mind risking getting food poisoning until you actually get food poisoning from that. Um, so yeah, that was really fun. And we definitely really enjoy hearing and reading about the memories that you shared with all the food items we featured on social media. Um, if you would like to share more of these moments with us, please keep them coming. We really enjoy reading and hearing about your stories. And um, while we were doing Proudly Asian Foods Month, we were also in California for a month um, for our summer visit. For those of you who follow us on social media, you would know that we went on quite a food tour um, in the name of Proudly Asian Foods Month in California. We went for Hot Pot. Um, which the video that we made out of our hot pot launch um, kind of reached over 43k on YouTube. Um, and a lot of you have left really nice comments about how um, it makes you crave hot pot. And um, some of you also tell us about your preferences related to hot pot. It's been so fun to connect with you guys about hot pot. I mean, it's just like, Honestly, don't know anyone who would hate hot pot um, after trying it out for the first time. And other than hot pot, we were also able to try out different new kind of um, Asian fusion recipes. For example, um, we went to Porto's in California to try out their ube matcha latte. Um, so it's been so fun. And this might be an unpopular opinion or not um, but I do think LA or Southern California has a much more interesting Asian food scene than Hong Kong <laughs> so the reason being you can easily find outstanding Korean barbecue in LA easy and there's also a range of authentic Southeast Asian cuisines that are frankly so great. For example, Vietnamese, I don't think I need to explain here, you know, LA or Southern California has a thriving um, Vietnamese food scene. They even have their own award-winning pho restaurant. And it's not just any award, it's Michelin and James Beard. And also going back to other Southeast Asian cuisines, um, in LA, you can easily find Filipino, Thai, Cambodian and Lao cuisines. So, I think in Hong Kong, you probably wouldn't be able to easily find um, Cambodian and Lao cuisines. And I feel like there are a lot of people who probably wouldn't even know um, much about those cuisines. As for Filipino, there have been some fusion or modern Filipino restaurants popping up. But maybe a few years back, you would also not be able to easily find any Filipino restaurants in Hong Kong. But of course, if there's anything that's lacking in LA compared to Hong Kong, I would say um, the Hong Kong and Japanese food scenes are a little bit weaker. I guess it's, it's not really necessarily weaker, but it's just not easy for you to find um, food items in Southern California that are authentically Hong Kong or Japanese. For example, you might still be able to find um, Cantonese barbecue in SGV, but it's not easy to find a good cup of Hong Kong style milk tea, egg tarts or pineapple buns or chan dan min, which is uh, spam and egg instant noodles. And as for Japanese food, um, you will still be able to find a lot of 
Japanese restaurants that are run by Koreans, but most of the sushi that they sell there would be a little bit more of that American interpretation of sushi. For example, you can think about those creative sushi rolls like California rolls, um, which I know some of our Japanese friends would cringe over whenever we mention them. It's just funny. Um, they would always say, "Ah,、oh, that's not sushi," but.、Um, It is indeed、um, this Asian American interpretation of sushi, just like fake Chinese food. You know, like orange chicken. A lot of people would know that that's not really Chinese, but definitely fake Chinese food has a special place in my heart. And、um, whenever I tell my friends or colleagues in Hong Kong about how I really miss fake Chinese food,、um, especially there was this noodle bar that I used to go to in the UK. They just make the Best stir fried noodles, and I know that、um, my go to would always be this noodle box that's called Miji Seafood Box. Essentially, it's、uh, seafood and egg noodles stir fry, and I would always ask for a little bit of that chili flakes for that extra kick.、Um, but yes, that's also falls under the category of fake Chinese food, and my friends in Hong Kong would always ask like, why? Why do you crave fake Chinese food when you can get real Chinese food in Hong Kong? But I can assure you, it's completely different. Like the flavors,、um, the textures, and just also the memories associated with fake Chinese food—they are just completely different. It's something that cannot be replaced by so-called real Chinese food. If You know what I mean. <laughs> so、um, I, I guess that's probably the case for Japanese food in America or Southern California as well. But、um, for those who actually want want to go for that like really authentic、um, Japanese sushi,、um, you can still find it at some upscale Japanese restaurants、um, that are in this omakase style. But you will need to be prepared to drop at least five hundred US dollars per person at those restaurants.、Um, yeah. So the the reason why I would say the Asian food scene in LA or Southern California is a lot more interesting、um, or a lot more fun than Hong Kong is because the supermarkets are also the bomb. You know, in Hong Kong,、um, I would say the supermarkets are a little. Weak here because、um, the city is just so small and space is such a luxury. So、um, a lot of supermarkets wouldn't be as big as、um, any regular supermarkets that you can find in America or in the UK.、Um, you will come across a lot of these supermarkets that are actually kind of mini in size.、Um, so. This is the reason why you can never find everything you need in one supermarket in Hong Kong. So almost every time when I have something specific in mind that I'm looking for at a supermarket in Hong Kong,、um, I would almost not be able to find any, or maybe eighty、um, percent on my shopping list. And、um, even for common goods like a specific type of bread roll, you will have to probably check out a few supermarkets in your neighborhood. Or worse still, you have to go to a completely different neighborhood to find them.、Um, so yeah, I've never been able to successfully find all the ingredients on a recipe that I plan on cooking 
in Hong Kong, and in the end, I would just give up. So if I ever tell you that I don't cook in Hong Kong, it's not just because I'm lazy. It's also because I can't find the key ingredients that are required in any recipes that I'm interested in cooking. But anyway, um, while in California, we definitely made very good use of our time there to make more fun Asian food content. It was just so fun shopping for um, ingredients for Halo Halo. If you haven't seen our Halo Halo video yet, head over to our social media, Instagram, YouTube, um, as we show you a step-by-step -step guide of making this iconic Filipino dessert. And like we mentioned, we went for hot pot. And for those of you who would like to know more about our hot pot preferences, or just how to do hot pot if you haven't tried it yet, um, feel free to head over to our social media to check it out. And then the next part about Proudly Asian Food Month is we have chatted with a lot of you um, over the past months and we see that food really connects us all and it is an easy way for us to peek into the cultures that are not our own and then eventually develop appreciation and understanding about them so through connecting with a lot of you through our food content during proudly asian food month we came to the realization that food to us all is really a gateway and no one should be gatekeeping any cuisines from anyone and what one of the key learnings that we had was that anyone can have a lot of opinions about different matters and people and anything like we can disagree on a lot of things but food is probably one of the least political domains out there because um, if you are gonna form any sort of opinions about food it's really just it either tastes good or it's not your thing and whether or not you think it tastes good or it doesn't taste good to you, it doesn't work for you, it's completely okay. And um, if we have a shared interest in any sort of cuisine, then we have kind of like an easy connection there, um, which is beautiful. Even if we don't like a certain dish, we can learn not to diss or badmouth about an entire cuisine just because we don't like one dish out of that cuisine. And sometimes it might not even be about the dish, but simply just the one version that you tried might not be the best version of that dish. Um, so even if we come across cuisines that we are just not particularly into, we can stop at, it just doesn't work well for me. Um, but a lot of people we know that from observation tend to continue on by saying things like, it's too sweet, it's too spicy, it's always spicy, it's too bland, despite it might not actually be the truth, um, or they might not have gotten the chance to try out the best representation of that certain cuisine. Um, or some of the people might straight up saying, it's disgusting. Um, I can't believe how we, I can't believe how you can eat this every day. Um, and to be honest, those are really not necessary unless you form your opinion by having tried all of the dishes that exist in that certain cuisine and are deeply knowledgeable about the cuisines. Otherwise, your trash talk about someone else's cuisine um, is just as useless as the G in lasagna. And I can almost guarantee once you gain a certain understanding about a cuisine, it will be impossible for you to say those things about a cuisine because once you learn the origins, the techniques, the stories behind how some of these dishes came about, it's kind of 
very easy to form a certain sense of appreciation for that culture or cuisine. At least is what I've experienced with many different cuisines that I've tried out. Um, so one very lovely comment coming from one of our viewers on YouTube is after he or she, I'm not sure if um, it's a he or she uh, from reading the username, but um, after he or she watched our hot pot video on YouTube, the comment essentially writes, it makes me crave something I've never tried in my life. And can you imagine? It's just so, so nice reading that comment because it really means so much to us. That's exactly why we do what we do on Proudly Asian. We want to show everyone that we all have that ability to form appreciation about a culture that is not our own. We don't necessarily need to be Asian to appreciate and understand Asian matters and cultures and cuisines. And as one of our guests from this year's Proudly Asian Food Month, Cambodian-American entrepreneur Johnny pointed out, Asians are just so diverse and not all Asians know 100% about Asian cultures and food that aren't theirs. But, you know, I got I got a Korean friend. I got Vietnamese friends. You know, I got Filipino friends. I got, you know, you name it. Asians are pretty diverse. But um, a lot of them have told me that they don't, they've never had Cambodian food before, which is interesting because, like, we're neighbors, you know, like Vietnam is right next to us, you know, Thai is right next to us, and, and yet we haven't. Most of them, I, I've had plenty of Thai food and Vietnamese food and, and everyone's types of foods, but a lot of them have told me that not, not a lot of them actually have actually had Cambodian food. And um, and just another observation is interesting because, like, I'm, I don't want to generalize, but in America, Asians are just Asians. You know, we're all lumped into one group. And so people think, you know, or, or at least the unaware or the uneducated, or I don't want to use the word educated, that's kind of mean, but like the for lack of a better term, um, the unaware lump us all into one group and, and, you know, Asians are just Asians. And yet here I am sitting here with my Korean friend and with my Vietnamese friend, and they don't know much about our food, let, you know, let alone an outsider or, you know, somebody who, who isn't Asian, uh, thinking that we all know Asians are just Asians, you know, but mm-hmm. it's, we're just so culturally diverse, um, more than people know. And so, um, mm-hmm. That brings me back to the point of there wasn't there's not really much misconceptions when people don't even have a conception of what we do in the first place, you know. I guess so. I guess just to just say just to make a point for that one, I do watch some videos of people traveling to Cambodia and stuff like that. And you got and you got like some certain videos where like um like people are looking for the most outrageous foods that you can find. They're looking for scorpions and all these other weird stuff. And so like I guess some people think like oh those guys are savages. Like they're eating out here eating scorpion, then like, I don't know, whatever the heck it, they're looking for. And I, I've never eaten a scorpion myself, you know, or tarantulas or all these weird things, you know, like even my, my mom doesn't eat that kind of stuff. Even when she was in Cambodia, she didn't eat that kind of stuff. So it's like, uh, I guess that's the most weird misconception is that like um, people's, first, um, you know, people living in the Midwest or or, what, or wherever it might be, they're watching these videos of like bizarre foods in Cambodia and stuff like that and like thinking that's that's what we eat which is really not you know and this was also what we talked about in our episode with Michelle Lee from the very Asian foundation a lot of people would imagine that if we're born Asian or if we're ethnically Asian we'll automatically know everything about Asian 
that would be awesome to be honest. So we don't need to study Asian history or learn Asian languages at all. We are just preloaded with Asian languages and knowledge um, from the moment that we were born. But the truth is. It doesn't work that way. For example, Michelle is a Korean adoptee who was adopted by white parents and was raised in Missouri. Despite she eventually connected with her birth family in South Korea, she did not really grow up Korean culturally. But none of this was her choice, and yet she faces biases from both Koreans and non-Asians. She was judged by Koreans because she didn't appear to be Korean enough, and then she was told by a white TV viewer that she was very Asian and that she should keep her Korean to herself. And it's frankly quite comical because she's not really recognized by both sides, which is essentially what happens to a lot of third culture kids, Asian diasporas, or um, mixed race kids. They could never find home in any of the cultures that they are connected to. But yeah, that was Proudly Asian Foods Month, and lots of really interesting conversations in our Proudly Asian Foods Month episodes took place. So if you have not checked it out, please go ahead to our Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any platforms where you listen to your podcasts to check out those episodes, or follow us on Instagram to check out our delicious food videos. We just have so much fun creating them all, and we will definitely continue creating them even after. After Proudly Asian Foods Month, and ooh, another major highlight um, that we want to mention when we we're in California was that we finally met up with one of our podcaster friends uh, from San Francisco, which is Curtis from the Infatuation Podcast. It was just so surreal being able to meet him in person because, like. We connected a lot virtually. We even had Zoom calls regularly with our other podcaster friends on Zoom. But seeing him in person and sharing food—I um, mean, Asian food, Chinese food—with him was just surreal. It's like meeting a longtime pen friend. Um, so it was a very special moment for us during the summer, and we also did an episode together that's about traveling uh, or traveling in Asia. So do stay tuned. Go on the Infatuation podcast and find that episode whenever that's released. So before we close out this summer update episode, we just want to let you know what's coming up on Proudly Asian. So we are in the process of producing season four. Um, we are full steam ahead with all the recordings, um, all the potential collaborations, discussions, um, and also just doing everything to make season four happen. And because autumn and winter seasons are approaching, we're also thinking about talking um, some topics that are a little bit cozier, a little bit personal. So for the upcoming episodes, you can expect maybe um, some conversations related to self care. Mental health, um, which frankly should be an all-year-round thing, um, family, holidays, whatever. But um, if there are any specific topics that you also want to listen about, feel free to connect with us, and we can have a chat about what kind of topics that we should definitely feature on our upcoming episodes. So season four will begin in September. Stay tuned for that. And that's it for our summer update episode. I hope you all are keeping well, and don't forget to subscribe and follow us on 
or Proudly Asian channels, including Instagram, YouTube, and just search Proudly Asian Podcast or at Proudly.Asian and you'll be able to find us on most of the social channels. And if you like our podcast, please consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would really love to hear more from you all. And we know a lot of you are based in the US, Mongolia, the UK, etc. So please feel free to say hi to us whenever you get a chance to. I'll speak to you all very soon. See ya! That's it for this episode of Proudly Asian. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at proudly.asian for more content. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. Signing off for now, I'm Isabel Wong. <laughs>